it is the end of the year and we are staring down the barrel of a new one. And this may have had many of us coming face to face with promises or hope that we've carried all year that might not have been fulfilled yet. Surely some of the things we've looked forward to have come about, but this year has been the very definition of perseverance in hardship for like everybody around the globe. <laughs> this interesting thing happens though when we are walking through perseverance and that is that our hope that we hold on to can begin to wane or tremble and our heart might struggle not to get sick if things are delayed. Proverbs says a hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. In today's episode, I'm going to share an unexpected revelation that I had in reading where the Christmas story begins and that offers some guidance in how to walk out those final thin days of holding on to persevering hope while you wait for your longings and promises to be fulfilled. If you need a dose of heart strength to take you into 2022, this episode is definitely for you. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. gosh, before we dive into the episode, I had to make sure to share this exciting news with you that Java with Jen officially has a merch line and a coffee line. Holla! You can go grab a snuggly sweatshirt, a trendy graphic tee, and a super cool coffee mug to go with your delicious, organic, and naturally sourced coffee from Didami Coffee, who have so generously partnered with me for our coffee line. There are multiple styles in the merch store, which will give you something inspirational and on trend to wear every day of the week designed by yours truly and there are workout clothes phone cases mugs so many options as well as a dark and medium roast coffee so much goodness you do not want to miss this that's at javawithgenmerch.com javawithgenmerch.com go check it out and if you order something throw it in your stories on social media and tag me so we can see what you're loving that's javawithgenmerch.com go check it out I want you to think of an area of your life where you have been holding on to a promise, believing for a breakthrough, waiting for your miracle. You've been hoping and holding on to faith for a while. Now, all of us have been there in that place where we've had to hold on to something for a while. And at some point, I guess it depends what our expectation level is, but at some point, It's common for our heart when we've been hanging on for a long time to begin to grow a little weary of hoping. And in Proverbs, it says it like this. It says that hope deferred can make the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And so we know that it is kind of just human nature that when we've been hoping for a long time, but it's been delayed and delayed and delayed. It can make our hearts a little bit sick awaiting, a little sick and tired. So how do you know if you've been, if your heart that's been holding on to something is growing possibly a little sick? Now, usually we kind of can recognize that in ourselves, but here's a couple of little indicators that maybe your heart is growing weary in the waiting. If you're unable to look beyond the present moment and see the potential of the future, then possibly your heart is growing sick. If you don't anticipate things being different than they are now, then possibly your heart is growing sick. If you feel like you have a heavy discouragement or hopelessness, or you find yourself saying, I'm just tired, 
I'm just tired. I don't have the strength to keep hoping for that. Then your heart is growing sick. It can look like despair. We can, I can, I found even in my own life, but self-centeredness can creep up when our heart has grown sick. And that's because it's harder to give of yourself in relationships or you find yourself defaulting to self-preserving behavior when you've been hoping for something to change and it hasn't been. It can be easy to begin to start protecting ourselves because a deferred hope really is a painful thing to carry. If you find yourself carrying more bitterness, anger, or even leaning in towards isolation, then your heart is growing sick. Now, if you find yourself in that place, don't get discouraged. (laughs) I have a hopeful response for you. But if you found yourself in that place, it's good to acknowledge where you're at and be like, you know what? My heart is tired. Like 2021 and 2020 have been two of the hardest years that the entire globe has ever faced. It has brought unexpected death, sickness, changes in jobs, changes in education. Um, Our kids have been really impacted by it in a way that we would never understand because we haven't walked through what they're walking through. And so for all of us in different ways, we have held on to hope. And either that hope has been disappointed, that hope has been perseverant, or that hope has gotten discouraged. And for some, that hope has been fulfilled. Um, But having hope and holding on to hope is a regular part of our human existence. That's part of how we have resilience to withstand difficult situations. Now, I was reading in a quiet time the other day in Luke 1. I felt like the Lord took me to Luke. And I saw this in the situation between Zechariah and Mary. In Zechariah, in the, the angel Gabriel shows up to Zechariah and Mary and gives them similar prophetic words. He's prophesying over Zechariah, um, who uh, was John's father. He's going to be the John the Baptist's father. And he says to him, Zechariah, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. That hope that you've been hoping for has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you're to give him the name John. He'll be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will bring back to the Lord well, he will bring back to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this is like huge, powerful prophetic word. If I had an angel, Gabriel, no less, show up to me and give me a word like this about a child I'm going to have, I think that might be a jolt to that hope I'd held on to for so long. Now, I want you to pay attention. Zechariah is at the end of his promise in that he's been holding on to it for quite a while. Now, skip forward to the angel visiting Mary. Okay, so it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a virgin, Mary, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. This is what the angel said. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. So in both of these, he says, you're going to have a baby and this is what the name will be. And then he proceeds to prophesy. So they're in kind of similar situations. He says, you will be with child and give birth to a son. His name will be Jesus. You will, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, notice the prophetic word over Jesus was actually, it's actually about half to maybe a third of the length 
of John's. So John received a much more detailed, lengthy prophetic word even than, than Jesus was foretold with in that prophetic word. I mean, there's way more prophecies over Jesus's life than just that, but in, the, in that conversation. So Mary, notice, is on the front end of her promise. She hadn't been praying for a baby. In fact, she wasn't even married yet. So this is very unexpected. And she says, how will this be? Zechariah also looked at the angel and said, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Mary says, how will this be? Because I am a virgin. So they both are like, tell me how this will happen. It'll be a miracle for both of them, right? It's a miracle on either way. But they're standing, they're looking at it from two different perspectives. Zechariah is looking at it from the end of his life, looking back, reminiscing over all the years that he had prayed for a baby and been disappointed that that baby had not come. Mary is at the beginning of her life, looking forward into her future and wondering what the future will bring. So they have two very different perspectives, and those perspectives fuel the question that they ask the angel. Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this? How can, when will I, I looked in the original text, and it actually implies that he says, um, how will I know for sure that this is true? Kind of like a, like a cynical tone to his question. Now, Mary's was an innocent, honest question. Uh, I'm a virgin. <laughs> How's this going to happen? So hers wasn't, how can I be sure of this? Hers was, how is this going to happen? So implied in her question is a natural assumption that what the angel is saying is correct. And she's going along with it. She's like, so how will this work out? Zechariah's question implies doubt. It implies cynicism to the angel. And the angel says, uh, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. So he had established his authority in the situation. He's like, uh, I know what I'm talking about. And now watch this. He says, now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. The angel responded to Mary. He said, here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One will be born. La, 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 la. This is how it's going to happen. Nothing is impossible with God. So we're not going to focus in on Mary's response and how the angel responded to her. I want to focus in on Zechariah because for anyone who has held on to a promise or an expectation that the Lord would do a work in their life, you may resonate with that kind of inclination to be a little cynical, kind of like there's another place in scripture where um, an angel showed up to give someone a word and they're like, don't mess with me. Don't get my hope up. I think it was Hannah when she was praying for Samuel. She said, don't mess with me. Don't play with me. Like you need to speak the truth and speak forthrightly with me. And I think it's interesting that our hearts in an effort to self-preserve because hope and disappointment have an impact on our souls in such a fundamental way. And so there's a part of us that when we've been hoping for something for so long and that thing finally comes along, it's like, don't play with me. Don't play with me. And we've all been there in small ways or big ways. But I want to point out what the angel did with Zechariah. First of all, he established his authority to be releasing this. And that was meant to build, I think, Zechariah's faith. Because the angel was like, I stand in the very presence of God. 
And I have been sent to release this word to you. Like, I know what I'm talking about and I have the authority to establish this thing. I'm just inviting you in on the process. And so I think it's interesting that firstly, he got a word from from the Lord before this thing happened. Secondly, that angel had to establish his authority and remind Zechariah who he was, who God was, and that they're able to do what they've promised right? And that, that really is the fundamentals of faith. In Hebrews 11, it says that Sarah believed that God was able to do that which he promised and it was credited to her as faith and righteousness. And so when you believe God is able, you don't have to know how he's going to do it. You just need to believe God is able to do it. And that brings you into a posture of faith. So that's what he was doing here. Zechariah, I have the authority to do this. I'm able to do what we've promised. And then he said, now as a result, because you have not believed, I am going to shut your mouth. You cannot speak. Now, this is really, really, I think, the clincher of the story. And it's very, very telling about what is most important when we are believing for the promises of God. When God has said, this is what will happen, from the point of when he says, this is what will happen, or even when you're believing that promise, until when it actually happens, what comes out of your mouth is incredibly important. Now, if you're like me, there have been areas in my life where I believed for a promise for a long time. And I can think of one area in specific that I believed and believed and believed. And it was a painful situation. It was a toxic relationship with a family member. And I believed and believed and believed and believed and prayed and prayed and prayed and cried and cried and cried and cried for change in that relationship. And change would come in small measure, but the situation was still painful enough to me that I felt like the negative impact on me was not moving at the same pace that the growth was happening. I found that it was easy when my heart got into discouragement and my heart started to get sick over the situation that what would come out of my mouth was trying to articulate my condition. I'm just so tired. I'm just so heartbroken. I just can't go on. I just can't keep trying. I just this, I just that. This relationship is so broken. This person is so unhealthy. This person. And and I and intuitively, instinctively, that kind of a response, I think is a it's a biological or a human response that's crying out for help, for a rescue. But if you notice with Zechariah, the angel's like, I'm going to shut your mouth because I don't need you talking during all these months of her pregnancy saying all the things that come through your mind about how impossible this is or how difficult this will be or Mary or uh, Elizabeth, is your body going to be okay? Elizabeth, is your body going to be able to hold up? And so in looking back on the relationship I was dealing with, I realized, oh, from the moment the Lord gives me the promise I need to close my mouth or I need to simply speak the promise. And so when you find yourself in a place of discouragement and weariness over something you've been believing for, and especially if the Lord comes and gives you a word, but if the Lord has ever given you a word about that thing or ever, ever given you a promise to hold on to, it's important to, if you're going to put your energy into something, put your energy into speaking the promise. Now, are there times... When I think, I guess, we get, we can get a little bit stuck when it's like, well, this promise I want to see fulfilled, but it has to do with the wills of other people. You know, I want my 
my loved one to get healed from cancer, but I can't control their will. And if they give up the fight, you know, I want my spouse to change because they're unhealthy, but I can't control if I can't control if they change their heart or I want my kid to serve the Lord, but I can't control what choices they make. However, I think where our faith comes in and our prayers comes in is that we're partnering with God to move in their hearts, to move in their belief systems. Now, can we control it? No, ultimately we can't. And we have to factor that in, um, especially when things don't turn out. If if things don't turn out the way you expected, like I had a pastor who died from cancer and he had pulled through many, many times, um, but finally he got tired of fighting. And there was prophetic words over his life that we didn't see fulfilled. And I remember wrestling with it and just being like, God, what happened? And the Lord was like, he wanted to come home and that's okay. And I said, well, what about all those prophetic words? It felt like such a failure, right? And the Lord said, well, those promises and those, those assignments I put on his life, I'll just put them on someone else's life. And the Lord was so like nonchalant about it. But oftentimes we can look at the promises of God being fulfilled as like pass or fail. Did I have enough faith? And so it's really not about pass or fail. Did I have enough faith? But in this, if your heart has grown heavy and discouraged, I'm trying to encourage you that the most important thing you can do is guard your lips. Proverbs 13, 3 says, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly comes to ruin. And it's, it's important and it's powerful because your words, I love this phrase, words create worlds. And it's because when God made us, many of you may, may know this already, but for those who don't, when God made us, he made us in his image. When God created the world, he spoke the world into existence. He made us in his identical image. And so he put that same dunamis power or that creative power inside us that he operated in that we can create realities with our words. And so that's where the prophetic comes in when we hear what God has said and we say those things. We're actually releasing in the spirit realm a creative power that the Holy Spirit partners with to then begin to create it in the natural realm. Scientifically, all matter is made up of sound waves on the most fundamental um, building blocks of an atom. The proton, neutron, electron, even smaller than that, they're all built out of sound waves. That's why when scripture says that if you do not worship, even the rocks will cry out, that's because every piece of matter has a vibration and a frequency that it is releasing that ultimately came from the mouth of God. When God created, there was so much authority in his voice that it sent all these sound waves into space that began to literally cause matter to collect and create. I just think that's so cool. And so to me, it really opens my eyes to the power of my words. There is one time years ago when I had this, um, this vision And so the open vision, I went out to the back porch and the Lord was asking me to release praise from my mouth. And I was like, oh, that's awkward. Neighbors are going to hear me. But I finally did. And as I started just praising him, I had this vision of kind of like old theater curtains swooping back. And as they swooped back, I could see up into heaven. And I saw the throne and I saw Jesus sitting next to the father and I saw all these angels. But all of heaven 
I was kind of like taken back, taking it all in. And then I realized after a couple moments, like they were all staring at me and waiting on me. And as I, as I saw all these angels, they were like peering around the edge of the curtain, staring at me so intently. It's like all of heaven was holding its breath, waiting for me to say something. And when I realized this, I was like, oh, uh, I don't know what to say. Like, there was such a weightiness to the moment. I felt so, it was so important. I said the right thing. And so I said, Lord, what do I, what do I pray? And the father said, ask that I would release my harvesting angels. And so I said, okay, Lord, I ask that you'd release your harvesting angels. And even before I finished the phrase, the sky lit up and I saw so many like hordes of angels just fly across the sky and go into homes and workplaces and to people. And it it was so dramatic. It took my breath away. I was like, oh my gosh. And so that prompted me into worship again. So I started worshiping the Lord again, like, oh my gosh, God, you're so awesome. That was amazing. You're so great. And as I'm worshiping, 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 you know, all the angels are tending to that task I had just given them. And then after a few moments, Heaven had its attention on me again. And I realized they were waiting for me to give another instruction. And so I said, okay, Lord, what do I pray now? And so he gave me a couple more instructions. And so we kind of did that little cycle for a few times. But it, it was such an eye opener to me of how powerful and important my words are, but not just my words, but my position and my awareness of my responsibility to use my words as an authority in this earth. I think a lot of times we pray and we hope, actually believing in our hearts that it's not really making a difference. We just hope it is. But when you realize God put you in this earth, he, he left all authority with us, said we would do greater things than Jesus did, made us in his image where we could create with our words, gave us the Holy Spirit so that we know what God is saying and we can release and partner with what God is doing in the earth. We have a responsibility with our words. And that is how we create. So your faith is what gives you eyes to see what God is saying. And your words is how you establish what he is saying. And so back to Zechariah, his heart was discouraged. He was like, how do I know this is true? How do I know this is going to happen? And he had to be reminded who God was. If you're in a time where your heart is weary and tired, you just might need to remind yourself who God is. You might need to go into worship. You might need to get in a place where you see God again and you recognize you are the God of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the God of the Red Sea. You are the God that destroyed Goliath with a little shepherd boy. You are the God who brought down the walls of Jericho. You are the God of all these mighty things. You are the God who brought me out of poverty. You're the God who brought me out of this and brought me out of this. And remind yourself who God is and then shut your mouth unless you're going to say what God is saying about your situation. Proverbs 18.20 says, From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled, and with the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. Now, I never understood that for a while, but from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. If you think about those moments when you've had a really intense emotion, it usually happens kind of in the pit of your stomach. When I am am grieved or troubled, I don't have an appetite because those emotions kind of fill me in the middle, and I don't have an appetite. It's interesting that word, uh, the belly, the belly is filled or the stomach. It means the womb or the place where things grow. So from the fruit of your mouth, 
Your womb, the place where things grow inside of you, is filled. What you speak will fill the inside of you. And with the harvest of your lips, the spoken words and your speech, you will literally produce a harvest, revenue, fruit, or um, produce like a crop from the words that you have spoken. So we often speak out of the place of our emotion, which is true, like what's inside of us. That's just kind of how we're built, like out of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what our emotions are, what our inner climate is, is what our mouth is going to speak. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So from the fruit of the mouth, a person's stomach is filled. The fruit of your mouth is going to be from the fruit of what you put inside of yourself. So what you put in, what you fill your heart with is what your mouth is going to speak about. But here's something really cool. Your brain actually recognizes things that come out of your mouth as more fact than just those things that sit in your head. And so like if I think to myself, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. I'm only partially going to believe that. But if I say out loud, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I will do this, there is something assuring about your brain hearing the words of your mouth going into your ears and it actually resonates with those words as truth and it causes then, it then sends signals to your whole body to agree with it and to make it happen. And so what comes out of your mouth actually does fill your body itself, not just emotionally, but actually physically. So if you're always saying, I'm sick, I feel sick, I'm sick, I feel sick. If your ears hear that, your brain will recognize it as truth and it will then tell and send signals to your whole body. Hey, you're sick. You feel sick. We need to, apparently your, our immune system is weak. And so your brain causes your body to cooperate with the words of your mouth. So literally what we say not only has an impact on our physical body, has an impact on your emotional body, and then your emotional body then speaks more of the things. And so that's why we have to actually interrupt that process and speak the things that God is saying. If you don't know what God is saying, just go to the word of God and find something in it that feeds you, that gives you hope, gives you encouragement, and then you speak from that place. God is a God that lives in the hope of tomorrow because he is already there. God is already in your tomorrow. He's already there. He's already made the preparation for it. Tomorrow is not an idea to him. It is his reality because he's outside of time. And he is sharing his current reality with your temporary waiting until you are able to journey into his current reality. And hope was a picture of that. Hope is like the vehicle Hope and faith are like the vehicle that take you from your temporary reality into God's current reality. He lives in your tomorrow. And so faith and hope are the vehicle that you drive in that gets you there. But what happens if you start losing hope because you've been driving for a while? You might feel like you're running out of gas, right? You got to stop off. You got to fill back up. You need to get into God's presence, get in worship, get in the word, fill your hope back up. So you can keep driving until you reach that destination. And the reality is we don't ever know (laughs) when that destination is. Sometimes God is kind and tells us a timeline. But most times we're just driving on faith and hope. And that is a very important, essential place to live. Now consider this. Satan wants to destroy your hope. Because hope is the doorway to faith living. If you don't have hope, 
you lose sight of faith. If you lose sight of faith and like the picture in your heart of what you're believing for, when you lose sight of what God has said will be, when you lose sight of that and you start looking at today and here and now, that is the beginning of the end of your hope. You have to have a future and ability to see with future eyes to know what God is going to do. Or if you still can't see, I, like, God, I have no idea how this is going to happen. Like, I'm praying and believing for my brother to get saved. I don't know how that's going to happen. But here's what gives me hope. I know that God is able to do that which he's promised. And he's promised to get a hold of my brother. And so that's the place I stand in. But Satan will try to destroy your hope. Because if he can destroy your hope, if Satan can destroy your hope, he can fill your heart with discouragement. And that discouragement will remove the strength in you to continue to contend and believe for what God has said. And then your words will begin to be a weapon against what God is doing versus for what God is doing. Because your words are powerful. In fact, the Proverbs, I think 18, says that the tongue has the power of life or of death. And whoever loves it will eat of its fruits. In other words, whoever's intentional or whoever believes what they're saying, you will see the fruit of your lips. So if Satan can get you into discouragement and he can get your lips and your words to align with his plan, he can use that power and anointing on your words to accomplish his purposes. This is why it's important to guard our words. And I want you to recognize that the enemy has an intention to destroy your hope, like he has a plan to destroy your hope. I say that, not that we'll be fearful, but because I want you to recognize that sometimes when discouragement comes, it is actually a plan of the enemy to undermine God's promises in your life. And I have experienced this many times and I have had to be repentant because I didn't recognize that the discouragement I was experiencing came from the hopeless phrases and the hopeless things that the enemy was speaking to me. And I didn't recognize that those lies and those phrases were from the enemy to fuel discouragement. I just blindly walked along with it for a long time. And of course, that discouragement is wearing. It's weighty. It's weighty. It taxes your strength and energy. And it caused me to begin to misalign myself with the plan of God and to begin to align myself with self-preservation, self-centeredness, um, self-protection, making an alternate plan. Like, discouragement was the pathway to me stepping out of that faith life that God wanted me to continue to subscribe to. He will, Satan will try to destroy your hope when he sees or hears you saying that something is taking too long to grow and that you're running out of patience or you're running out of hope or I'm just getting so tired or I don't know how much longer I can do this. Pay attention because when you say those things, that gets the attention of the enemy because he knows you're vulnerable and he always preys on our vulnerabilities. So when you find yourself getting so tired or not knowing how much longer you can hold on, you need to go get in God's presence, get in worship, get in the word. And there may be some situations like if you're in an abusive situation, you're in something that's actually destructive to your heart. You might need to create a separation that doesn't mean that God can't work in that situation, 
But if it's destructive to your heart and you've been doing everything you know how to stay in faith and stay in the word and stay in God's presence and get his promises and speak in faith, but it's still destructive, then there are times you have to have boundaries and draw lines and stuff. So I'm not, I'm not saying there's not a time and a place for that. But I'm saying if you feel like God has still said, hey, this is what you need to believe me for, then in that journey, this is how you can guard your heart from aborting that process before it comes to birth. Okay, pay attention to the areas where the enemy hits you with discouragement. What areas in life do you find yourself discouraged the most about? These are often the places where you carry your greatest anointing and he is trying to destroy your obedience to walk in it. Let me say that again. Pay attention to the areas where the enemy hits you with discouragement or where you feel and experience the most discouragement. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's how you do on your job. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids, your marriage, whatever. These are often the places where you carry your greatest breakthrough anointing and your greatest anointing for ministry. And he is trying to destroy your ability to obey the father's plan for your life and walk in that anointing. The enemy is trying, the enemy can't destroy us, but he will try to get us on a path that will take us away from what God wants us to do. That should not incite fear. That should incite a sense of wisdom and um, shrewdness that we are smart and know the enemy's plans so that we can be smarter than the devil. Okay, consider this. When you can't control the outcome of a situation or someone's decisions, why waste your energy on hopelessness and despair? You would do better to use your energy to decree God's word or speak life. Now, how close you are to the situation may vary depending on what the situation is. If you're believing for God to heal your husband from an abusive lifestyle, maybe abuses alcohol or abuses drugs or whatever, just because you're believing God to work in his life doesn't mean you have to live in the same house married to him where his life decisions are being destructive to you and your family, okay? You can have boundaries and still believe God to work at the same time. So I want that to be very clear. I want that to be very clear. You have the right to have boundaries. But if you find yourself in discouragement and hopelessness, that is what I'm addressing today is that condition of the heart and how to get back into hope and back into faith when you've been believing for a long time. Okay, so here are some simple ways that you can guard and cultivate hope. One, watch what you say like Zechariah. If you're going to say something, speak life over the situation or don't say anything at all. Secondly, practice gratitude. When we're in difficult situations, if we, when we get into complaining, we actually worsen and accelerate the discouragement inside of ourselves. However, when you practice gratitude, gratitude releases the same chemical hormones in your body that falling in love does. And so if you want to have hope and good feelings and feel in love with life, gratitude is one of the most powerful habits you can adopt. Gratitude is powerful. Also, hope believes that even negative experiences have come for your good. So a hopeful perspective, when you face challenges, even negative experiences, a hopeful perspective says, you know what, this is hard, but I know this has come for my good, for me and not against me. So what can I draw from this situation so that I see how it's for me? And so a hope, a hope-filled heart 
believes that things are for you, that things come for you and not to you, to be done to you. Hope is deeper than optimism, but both are very important. Optimism is found in your thought life and in your self-talk. Like, like when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you say? Oh, I can't believe I'm so, I'm so tired. You know, no. Optimism says, you know, it's going to be a great day. I will be wide awake in just a few moments. Get me some coffee. It's going to be a great day. Optimism is found in your thoughts and your self-talk and getting the word of God in you, encountering Jesus, worship, self-talk, healthy thoughts. All of that plays into an optimistic attitude. Hope is a deeper state of being, but it is the result of your optimistic habits. So it's often built around an unshakable expectation. It is faith's cousin. So hope, hope is the, is the long-term stability that carries you through the ups and downs. Optimism will give you the energy to handle the ups and downs. And then hope is kind of like that long-term foundation of faith that says, I know God's working. I know God's working. I know he's able to do what he has promised. And so I hope this was encouraging to you. Remember, Zechariah, when you find yourself discouraged or like, God, when are you going to act on my behalf? Remember, Zechariah, the angel shut his mouth, but he shut his mouth so that the promise could be fulfilled. So if you're going to speak, speak something full of life or what God has said. Again, if you're in a situation where you need to draw boundaries and you need to create distance so that you're not being harmed emotionally, verbally, sexually, mentally, spiritually by a person or by a situation, by all means, create distance. But just because you create distance doesn't mean you stop speaking life, doesn't mean you stop believing, it doesn't mean that you stop knowing that God is able to do what he's promised. And so protecting a position of hope in your heart um, really nurtures and protects the health of your heart. And don't forget that he who guards his lips guards his life. But he who speaks rashly comes to ruin. And from the fruit of your mouth, your stomach, your womb, that place where things grow inside of you is filled. And from the harvest of your lips, you will be satisfied. So if you speak negatively, if you speak discouraging things, you will see those things come to pass. You will be satisfied by being like, it's, see, it's right. All the things I predicted it, I called it. That's because creation, the universe, whatever, listens to your words. The enemy listens to your words. The Holy Spirit listens to your words. Angels listen to your words. Your words are very powerful. Your children listen to your words. Your husband listens to your words. Your own heart and mind listen to your words. So make sure your words are worth speaking. Guys, I hope this was helpful. I hope this was encouraging. Don't go anywhere because I have a couple of really great life hacks for you coming right now. For your life hack today, I would like to give you a little simple thing. Actually, the Lord prompted me to do um, a little while back. And I was like, Lord, I don't have a lot of time and, you know, whatever. I was just kind of feeling really discombobulated around my need to have a quiet time. And uh, and the Lord dropped this little suggestion in my heart. And I was like, oh, that's really simple. I love how the Lord is so simple. And so as you're heading into the New Year's, a lot of us are going to have, you know, like, okay, let's reset. Let's start over. And quiet times are oftentimes a part of New Year's resolutions. Like, I'm going to spend time consistently with the Lord. Um, but if that idea is a little daunting, like, okay, I'm going to jump in and spend an hour every morning, a, that might not be sustainable for your lifestyle. Or if you're going from nothing to an hour every day, that might be a bit of a leap. So not to discourage you from it, I say, go for it. But 
if you need a way to segue into the new habit, the Lord had told me, he said, okay, do 15 minutes. He said, do five minutes of worship, which is basically a song to kind of center my heart, focus my attention on the Lord and get, you know, engaged with his presence. He said, spend five minutes reading, which is basically enough to read a chapter. And then he said, spend five minutes journaling where I'm processing what I just read. And it seems so simple, but to be honest, the revelation I'm giving you today actually came out of that 15, 20 minute quiet time. And I was like, well, come on. Now I have spent a lot more time studying into it when I prepared for this message, but it was initiated in that, um, in that quiet time. So if you're looking for a way to make quiet times more regular, more consistent, you need it in a bite-sized chunk. That was a wisdom the Lord gave me that I feel I kind of resort to on days when my time is short, but, and I'm looking at the temptation of just disregarding my quiet time altogether. Not a good plan. Like I really need to connect with the Lord on a daily basis. It protects my heart, guards my heart, fills my heart. It's just good. Um, Anyway, so that's one little thing. Another suggestion as you're going into the new year, another little life hack, is whenever I go into a new season um, or I'm dealing with a, a new transition, I really take time to get alone with the Lord and get a word for that thing. So every time I was pregnant, I would spend time in prayer early in my pregnancy and say, Lord, give me a word for this pregnancy and delivery that I can hold on to when things get difficult. And for every single kid, the Lord gave me a different promise. It was awesome. might have been a scripture, but actually for all of them, I think he just gave me a phrase that was unique. And then sometimes he gave me a scripture to go with it. And so as you're heading into the new year, I love to look forward and prepare my heart with a, with a view to what the Lord wants to do in my year. And it just kind of aligns my, I don't know, kind of like positions my body like to be facing on with what he is doing, can, positions my heart and soul to be facing into what he's doing for the year. And so I feel like he's already put a, a word in my heart for 2022. But I just want to encourage you guys to do that. Take the time, set it aside, coming up on the new year. You could do it now. You could do it closer to the new year. Sometimes on Christmas Eve, I like to have a special quiet time where I process the year and process the upcoming year with the Lord. And that's often where I'll get my word for the year. So that's your life hacks. Ways to kind of supercharge, not supercharge, but like, take on some, um, initiate some fresh connection with the Lord as you're heading into this new year. It's a new season. It's a great time to kind of reevaluate, hit reset. So with that said, you guys, this is the last episode of this year and season three will be continuing in January on the 6th. So make sure you come back, enjoy these two weeks off, but go back and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. We're at almost 80 episodes, and so that gives you plenty to go back through and see maybe if there's some that you missed you'd want to catch up on while you're cooking or traveling or whatever you've got going on. So let me know if you guys are listening to these, which I know you are because I see the numbers and I see the stats, but do me a favor. When you're listening to an episode, would you snag a screenshot of it and just throw it up on, on Instagram in your stories and tag me at Java with Jen um, because I want to see what you're listening to, especially when you're catching up on old ones. And I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you have a, if you have a moment and you'd like to go review the podcast in your podcast app or on iTunes, 
I so much appreciate it. You guys don't even know. It's like unwrapping a present for me when I open my email and see that someone left me a new review. It just makes my heart so thrilled. So I appreciate the feedback. It also helps me when I'm choosing new directions and new things to cover on the podcast because it helps me know what is speaking to y'all and what is relevant to where you guys are at. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Thank you for all the support. Don't forget to check out the merch store. If you get some Christmas money and you're like, I want to spoil myself, go get you some Java Witchin coffee and a Java Witchin coffee mug to take into the new year to have with you for those new quiet times. And uh, so that's javawitchinmerch.com. Go check it out. And otherwise, I'll see you guys in 2022. See you on Instagram in the meantime. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon. Or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, we have merch coming. Stay tuned and I'll let you know when it hits the stores. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.